0: everyone, and welcome to Irish on Tap, a podcast about the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Today, we are here only nine days out from the season debut against Duke. Today, we're going to break down our Notre Dame roster, how we feel about this team coming out of camp, and just basically give you guys a general feel on how this team is going to perform for this season. But before we get too far into it, let's
1: check in with our co-host. Brian, how you doing today, brother? doing well we're recording and talking about Notre Dame football and it's less than two weeks out so I'm pretty pumped what about you Ethan yeah Brandon
2: or uh Brian talked about it as well nine days away feel like it's been forever since we've talked about Notre Dame football since they finished off their season and talk about a season to get pumped for this is probably the biggest year for Notre Dame football and like you said nine days away I'm ready to get it going
0: yeah and and I think the most important thing is is that the season is here the season that we didn't think was going to happen that we thought that was going to be taken you know from our very eyes even though we're all going to be watching from the couch it's something that I'm you know extremely grateful for Um, it was announced this week that the student body and the staff members at Notre Dame were going to be allowed to attend the games so there will be around on 20 000 people give or take every you know every week there at notre dame so that's definitely good to see um but i'm gonna get this out of the way right out the top and then we're getting into the nitty-gritty of football but there was two positive covid tests on the notre dame football roster on august 29th it's something that i guess just as we're getting used to this year is the new normal and something that could pop up you know potentially throughout the season so one thing i really want to like echo right now is that You know, from roster man number one all the way down to like 85 or however many players we have on this roster, every single person needs to be prepared as if they're the starter and they're going to be coming in and contributing right away. So what are your guys' thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is the year where depth is probably the most important because anybody can get a COVID test. It's pretty randomized how you get the virus. Nobody really knows. So it can happen to anybody in any moment. So like you said, it's kind of the next man in mentality. And those we've had a couple decent recruiting classes, starting to get some depth, some talent down the line. I mean, we're consistently reloading at wide receiver at the front seven almost every year so there could be a lot of instances this year where a couple of guys go down after quarantine who knows and it's just a next man in mentality and that's just the way it's going to be this year
2: yeah and we know brian kelly's been such a good recruiter for so many years and i think this is truly a test to see how good of a recruiting class he's built over the last couple of years like you said anybody can get a COVID test anybody can test positive for it and at that point it is their time to step in. We've seen it with baseball, a lot of baseball players coming back from their training sites, things like that. So, uh, it's, it's going to be something important to look at. And like I said, Brian Kelly been a very good recruiter over the last couple of years. And uh, now is the time to check out what he can do and what depth we do have.
0: Yeah. And I'm actually glad that you guys both brought up recruiting because that segues me into my first point. So We've all kind of been listening to, you know, the Brian Kelly press conferences, whatever glimmers into practice we can get and just whatever we've been seeing on Twitter and social media. And I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, freshmen like Jordan Johnson, Michael Meyer and Chris Tyree all could be thrust into significant roles in year one. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Brandon, I would add add Kevin Bauman to that list, too. He's also turned some heads, I hear, from in fall camp right along with Michael Meyer. They have probably the best freshman tight end tandem in the country and I can't remember the last time Notre Dame has had this many of their top recruits be at the skilled positions like normally it's offensive linemen normally it's defensive linemen maybe a couple wide receivers there but I can't remember the last time they've had two stud tight ends a stud wideout, and a stud running back all in the same class I even wrote about it I think it was a couple months ago about how I think Notre Dame's on the cusp of doing some special things because they're finally starting to get elite talent at the skill positions. And I do believe their biggest weakness the past couple of years has been like pervasive speed on the outside and also not being able to recruit a stud QB. But we got Tyler Bochner coming in next year. So I'm really excited about the elite or the skill position talent they have coming in. Like you said, Chris Tyree. Is they thought would be mainly just like a scat back type of option this year, but apparently is a lot stronger than they thought and can actually run in between the tackles. He's not gonna be your every down back, but I expect big things from him this year. And Jordan Johnson, a big threat in the outside, got some speed. You got Xavier Xavier Watts on the outside as well, and you mentioned Michael Mayer. I I think there's going to be a lot of freshmen thrown in at tight end, at wide receiver, and at running back this year. And I'm really excited to see what they can do because they got some explosiveness. And if they can be impactful, that takes this offense to the next level. What do you think, Ethan?
2: Absolutely. I
1: think one thing you touched on was just how— the
2: skill guys on the outside have the most talent and you know we don't see that that often I think Notre Dame has been trying to implement that faster offense that teams like Clemson and Ohio State run every week and I think this is the year that Notre Dame can finally be able to run that fast-paced offense wear down defenses and we've seen ACC defenses before they're not that talented this is the year where Notre Dame will use their running backs, they'll use those receivers on the outside, they'll wear down defenses, and this is really going to be the offense this year to do that.
0: Yeah, and the one thing that I want to point out that you guys both brought up is that speed on the edge. One thing that you'll notice if you watch a school like Clemson or Alabama or an Ohio State is their ability to have recruits that are freshmen come in and contribute as true freshmen. That's how good the recruiting is. It translates from playing against a bunch of high school kids to division one college football and their ball in freshman year. I think this is the perfect opportunity with them getting the shell of being in the ACC this year. It's a predominantly ACC schedule to where, yes, we could, you know, we could just be a predominantly run team and let Ian book feed off that. And honestly, it's like cliche as it sounds and his meatball take for a football guy, as it sounds, I'm a run first guy. And when you have four running backs that can run the way that we have them right now in the offensive line and the hogs up front clearing those holes for them, I think you got to make this, you know, you can do a 50-50 split, but let the run game build what the pass game can do so that we're not trotting Ian Book out there to throw it, you know, 40, 50 times a game because this offense has weapons everywhere. You just got to find the right use
1: for them. Yeah, Brandon, I couldn't agree more with that, especially about running between the tackles a lot because preseason ACC, Notre Dame had three. It's kind of comical, but Notre Dame had three of the five preseason all-ACC linemen in Patterson, Banks, and Eichenberg. So, I mean, you got some hog mallets up front that are as good as anybody, not only in the ACC, but also in the entire country. And then they also got Tommy Tremble. They got the two stud freshman tight ends. I do believe there's going to be a lot of um, formations where the – Notre Dame's fielding two, maybe even three tight ends in a given set. I think Kelly mentioned that in a press conference a couple weeks ago, but I couldn't agree more about running it a lot. You you got apparently Kyron Williams was named RB1, which was a little bit surprising. So he's probably doing some good things in, in camp. And then you also got Chris Tyree, like we mentioned. And you hit the nail on the head with – you don't want to be – I mean, Ian Book is who he is at this point. We've seen him a lot. He's a very good game manager. and He's not going to make too many mistakes. He's not going to lose you the game. But he's also probably not going to make a bunch of great jaw-dropping throws that win you the game either. So – I agree with you. You got to run the ball between the tackles, throw it in situations where you need to throw it, but they should not be throwing 40 times a game with Ian Book. And if they do, I'd be really, really disappointed in both Brian Kelly and and newly OC um, Tommy Reese. One thing that I want to say, too, that you brought up is the
0: two tight end sets. So we also have Brock Wright, too. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities where we'll have the U and the Y tight end. And I want something to be very clear on this podcast. Just because Tommy Tremble is next up in that lineage of tight end U and he's going to go and be a great pass catcher at the next level, go and check his tape blocking. That dude is a straight banger on the line so he's a tight end that can do it both I'm curious to see how Meyer and Bauman and everyone else transfers but we know we know like you said with Ian Book we know we're going to get with Brock right he's good on those short to you know intermediate routes nothing too crazy and a bunch of good blocking so where you at on that one with Ethan
2: well you talked about how good of a blocker Tommy Tremble is and it just it makes me miss Cole Komet so much in that Notre Dame uniform but I'm so excited to see him block his ass off in a Chicago Bears uniform and it just carries down to Tommy Tremble and it'll carry down to the list of other tight ends on this roster because just how good Notre Dame is at building that tight end position these freshmen like Brian said will come in and they will make uh, impactful plays right away.
1: And something that I wanted to add about Ian Book, so this is like as unique of an offseason as ever, right? I mean, you had COVID, you had guys quarantining, you had teams not practicing. This is the one year where having a veteran QB pays the the most dividends because you don't have to learn a whole new offense. I mean, they had a new OC, I get that. But I would. this has been Brian Kelly's offense for the better part of his entire time at Notre Dame. So I think it's going to be mostly the same offense. So I do think having a veteran qb that knows the offense is massive in this season because while everybody's quarantined not getting practice reps ian book no like you said we know what we're going to get out of ian book he knows this offense they're probably reworked a little bit of different things but i do think ian book being the veteran presence or a veteran presence in that locker room and just having that veteran voice in the huddle is huge for notre dame going forward that other teams not only acc but in the entire country do not have what do you guys think about that aspect of this
0: so you actually stole the words right out of my mouth, but it was going to come a little bit later in the podcast. It was going to be the last question that I popped off, but I'm going to play the hypothetical for you. Notre Dame has the quality season to the point where they're in the college football playoff. Are we sitting here having this conversation that Ian Book is a Heisman candidate?
1: Ah, uh, that's tough. I I think if they're in the they're in the Heisman, it's probably more so. To do, or if he's in the Heisman race, is probably more so to do with other factors than the probably fact that they're undefeated. But I mean, if, if if they're undefeated and beat Clemson or so, then I do think if they're in their College Football Playoff, it's because Ian Book had a hell of a year. That's that's a fact.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that that really is the deciding factor. If you can lock up that undefeated season and get yourself into the playoff, uh, I think you pretty much guarantee yourself the Heisman. But One thing that we've talked about was Tommy Reese, and I really think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on this year. He's been in the system with Brian Kelly for years. Now he's the quarterback's coach for years. Now he steps into that role as the offensive coordinator, and that connection has been there with Ian Book for years now. And I think that really that will play a key role. In this season, and Ian Book being as successful as he will this season.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, this is the highest stakes that Ian Book will see in his football career. And, you know, we obviously want to see him go on to that next level. But this, you know, his NFL draft stock does also ride on this year. I want to reel it back to something that Brian brought up a couple of minutes ago, though. And like you said, Brian, earlier, Kyron Williams, you know, has emerged as that lead back. Now, we obviously know it's more of a running back by committee, especially when you have four of them. So that's. They have Jafar Armstrong, who was presumed starter at the beginning of the season last year. Then, you know, he was dealing with a little bit of injuries. Jameer Smith was more of a reserve. And then we have Chris Tyree at running back. So with that four-headed monster, you know, you're never going to have a tired running back out there. But I think it is great to see that, you know, kind of a straight wild card. No one had expected Kyron Williams to be the guy to emerge as the number one. So where are you guys at on that?
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, that really, really shocked me because he's just been— I mean, last year he didn't even receive a carry after week two. Like he was just a complete afterthought. So I, I was baffled by that. But I, I do like what you said about it being more of a running back by co- committee. It absolutely will be. I think the first two running backs will be Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. I do think Jameer Smith will also get a lot of carries as well. But I don't, I don't envision Jafar Armstrong really getting much time in the backfield. I think he's, I thought he was going to be more of a slot guy, but. Kelly also said, I think it was last week, right after he said Kyron Williams was the number one running back, he said Lawrence Keyes and Avery Davis will be the main slot guys. So I'm just I'm just here thinking, like, what the hell are they going to do with Jafar Armstrong? I thought he was going to be their main slot guy. Clearly isn't going to be there. He's not their RB number one. They've already talked about how, how much they like Chris Tyree, and we know J- Jameer Smith is there as well. So I'm, I, I'm just really confused on what Jafar Armstrong's place in this offense is going to be. What do you guys think about that?
2: One other name at the running back uh, committee, I would say, is Sibo Flemister. I mean, he really finished uh, the second half of the season strong. I think that he is another one that will find his way into that mix. And look at how deep this running back position is at Notre Dame right now. If we aren't running the ball more, like Brian said, I will be highly disappointed. Because like, you have five backs, four or five backs that can run the ball well and can prove that they can run the ball well. So I I really think that that also will be another thing that leads my guy Ian Book to uh, success this year. I love that running back position.
0: Yeah, and to come back to what Brian was asking, it it is a tough situation for Jafar Armstrong because he has shown promise, but he does he doesn't really fit that mold of a between the tackles banger that we would want him to be. He's a little bit undersized in that aspect, but I think he would be an interesting matchup for, you know, a slot corner. But again, that's another position that's flooded. So real quick, I mean, if you just look at the receiver room, you got guys like Bennett Skoranek, you got Lawrence Keyes, you got Braden Lenzi, Javon McKinley. I know I'm missing a few right now. I know Avery Davis switched back to receiver. Um, You can probably count on, you know, Jafar Armstrong, similar to how you would play in NCAA football. If you got that like freshman who's like an 88 overall, and you just want to get him some snaps, you just got to throw him on the field somehow. But the receiving court is absolutely stacked again, but it's it's not like uh, like I would say Skaronic's the only like possession receiver that we have right now. And then the rest are kind of those receivers that you talked about earlier, Brian, those guys that can stretch the field, those guys that can take the top off the defense, those speedster guys. But it's going to be interesting to see where everyone plays. So I'll, I have this question prepared for you guys two boundary receivers in a slot. Who are you guys picking?
1: I got to, I mean, it's tough because I haven't seen Jordan Johnson play in the collegiate level at all. But I mean, I like what you said about scoring Renick. I don't really know how to pronounce his last name, but I think he's got to be your, one of your um, boundary receivers right out the get go. I also like Lawrence Keys at the slot. I think he's going to have a really big year. He's, very fast. Like you said, he's not a possession guy, but he's a guy that can break free if you get him loose. And you got to go with Brayden Lindsey. I think Brayden Lindsey is probably there. I mean, scoring rec's good too. I think Brayden Lindsey is probably their best receiver, but I really like the the high potential that Jordan Johnson has as well. He's a fast guy, but he also has a little bit of possession wide out in him a little bit as well. Although he's just probably not built that way yet. He's only about 180 pounds, but I like those four. I think those are probably your best four wide receivers once Jordan Johnson gets, 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 uh, um, figures it out on the offensive end. I mean, I would have said Kevin Austin before he had his injury, but who the hell knows if he's ever going to suit up and ever play for Notre Dame is pretty frustrating, but I don't know. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. What about you, Ethan?
2: Yeah. Kevin Austin was a guy that I obviously hope has a good year at Notre Dame. Uh, like you said, it's been a frustrating time for him, uh, but we obviously hope that he can, get back to a hundred percent and really show his potential here at Notre Dame. And obviously I think we're all going to talk about the same names at receiver, Brayden Lindsay, Lawrence keys, uh, Ben Skronic, J- uh Javon McKinley. And I'm really excited to see Jordan Johnson take the field. And I think it's important that he will get time in these early games where we know that we should be able to win these games. And, you know, when it comes down to needing Jordan Johnson in the Clemson game and in the playoff games, if we get there, those early games will be a good test for him, and I think that Brian Kelly will use him in those games, get him some time, and, and really get the feel of what the ACC football and, and what football is like at
0: Notre Dame. And I think the most important thing right now is – even if we don't get to the college football playoff this year, like this is still very valuable experience for those underclassmen. And then two, you know, we did lose a lot. We lost, our, I want to say 12 players to the NFL draft and the, you know, the UDFA route, but they brought in some good veteran leadership with guys like Nick McLeod. Uh, Brian, I'll walk you through this one. It's uh Bennett Skoranek. I am normally the name pronunciation guy on the podcast, so I have to, I have to take the role on that. And then we got Isaiah Pratt from Ohio State so out of that we did have uh the running back too his name is slipping behind right now I can't think of it at the moment Trevor Spites yeah he he ended up retiring correct
1: yeah he's I I didn't even know it was retiring but I I saw that he's just not going to be a part yeah
0: he's not playing football this year so they had four originally but three key graduate transfers out of those three Brian who do you think steps in and has the biggest impact
1: I think it's Uh, It's tough because I'm not really sure where to go with um, either Isaiah Pryor or Nick McLeod, but I think it's one of those three. I think there's a lot of good—I know um, Skoranek, like you said, he's probably going to—like a safe bet at wideout, but he doesn't really have that electric speed. But like you said, he's really the only possession guy, so I think he's going to play a lot. But I really like Nick McLeod. I think he solved probably the biggest— One of the biggest needs out of the graduate transfer market was getting a a guy at corner that you knew was going to like, you knew what you're going to get. I think he's going to play a lot. I really think Isaiah Pryor's probably got the highest ceiling of those three, but I'm not exactly sure if he's going to start because you got you got Houston Griffith as well that might um, split time with that. Um, safety we all know Kyle Hamilton Hamilton's going to be down there almost every single down but I think it's going to be Nick McLeod I think that was their biggest get on the graduate transfer market I think he's going to do great things this year what do you what do you think Ethan no once again I
2: agree with you I think Skoranik's obviously the safe bet at the wide receiver position I think he's going to get the most playing time out of those three but as far as the developmental goes I am high on Isaiah Pryor I think that him coming over from Ohio State, which is obviously a, a five-star program, coming over to Notre Dame from there will be a huge get for Notre Dame. And when he does hit the field, it's going uh, to play an impactful role on that defense. And uh, like you said, Brian, Kyle Hamilton leading that defense this year, I feel bad for anybody that has to step uh, against the lines against him. This whole defense, they they showed their potential last season, but I really think that this year, getting another year under their belt, and with those big playmakers on defense, this will be a tremendous season for Notre Dame's defense.
0: Yeah. And I think the most important thing of this process is the recruiting never ends. I mean, you can recruit anywhere, like high school, JUCO, other great Division one colleges. Not that I'm calling Ohio State great. It was just a general term. But for, for Kelly to go out and immediately nail because you know you lose a guy like Troy Pride to the draft Sean Crawford's a guy who has been predominantly injured and then friend of the program Tariq Bracey has just not had that role yet but I think Tariq is ready to step in that role at the number two corner spot if something again should happen to Sean Crawford or if they deem it necessary but he also has the speed to slide in that corner spot uh, in the slot corner spot but Nick McLeod I'll go with McLeod is going to be the one who will have the biggest impact this year because I'm not going to lie. Last year at the end of the season, I was a little worried like who we were, who we were going to trot out there with Tariq. Cause I know Tariq was going to be at least a top two or a top three option, but we just lost so much to the draft. And um, one shout out I do want to make right now is, you know, Lohi Gilman is actually going to be getting a way bigger opportunity than we thought he was going to be getting when he went to the chargers with the injury of Derwin James. So to take a quick break from the roster breakdown, how are you guys feeling about our guy Alohi getting a shot right out the gates?
1: I love that. I think he's a guy that's pretty much exceeded expectations his entire life. I even wrote the Irish on tap like draft preview, and I even said that I don't think he's ever going to turn into an NFL starter. But then I was like, this dude's probably just going to freaking turn me ro- or prove me wrong. So I wish him nothing but the best. I think he's got all the intangibles that anybody could ever have, and I think he's going to have success. I don't know if he's ever going to be a starting safety, but I think he's going to be on an NFL roster and at least be a elite special teams guy.
2: I agree with Brandon. I do think that he's going to play a big role for this Chargers defense this year. Derwin James is a huge blow for that team with him being hurt. I have a personal Chargers friend uh, who just absolutely lost his shit when he found out Derwin James was going to be out. But in came me and pumped him up about a Louie Gilman. And I really think that he's going to make uh, an impact. What a division to play in, too. The Chiefs, you're going to have to go against Patrick Mahomes. A lot of more mobile quarterbacks in college football this year. I don't know. Maybe we'll get three picks off of uh, Patrick Mahomes in a game this
0: year. I like the optimism on that one. So, I mean, to get back to this roster, I mean, we do have, like you guys have both stated, one of the most talented rosters, and it it keeps getting more talented, you know, with the 2020 recruiting class. We've been seeing, you know, some of the people they've been reaching out to in the 2022 class and the guys that they've been able to nab in that 2021 class. So, I think realistically, like this is do or die year. Like we're in the ACC, we have the path to the college football playoff laid out for us. And I think that you know the one thing that we we've had in seasons past is, well, should we start the backup quarterback? Maybe the backup quarterback will go in there, or, or a little bit of a quarterback controversy. How do you guys feel that there is absolutely no doubt that Ian Book is our guy this year, and that is just not even a question in any press conference.
1: I think it's great for the whole team to know that they have a voice to look to in terms of duress or adversity, that they know who they're looking to, and that's all great and all. But when you don't have a QB controversy, it also means you don't really have any QB depth, which is a very big issue in a COVID, COVID-like COVID season because, like, God forbid, Ian Book gets COVID or any other injury for that matter. Who the heck? Like Drew Pine, you're going to go with, What's the other guy's name? Um, Brandon Clark. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a good thing, but it's a double-edged sword because if he goes down, you don't really have a backup plan. What about? What do you think about that, Ethan? Brian, if Ian Book tests positive
2: for COVID, you should watch your back because if you slander my guy Ian Book like that one
1: more time, I will come after you. Yeah, I mean, i am pretty much damn near spoken into existence. Can't really be doing it. <laughs> no, I mean, there is
2: such a relief for me because... I just love Ian book and there's no competition. There's no anything like that. I think that there are bright names coming up in that quarterback room. Like you mentioned with Tyler Buchner, uh, Drew Pine guys like that will need to step in if he goes down at any point in this season. And I think that they are talented enough that if they step into that role and and with an off season with Ian book and, and obviously having nothing else to do, but study football, I think that these guys will have that advantage and, The leadership that Ian Book provides this team will be a huge benefit for those young quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. And so my thing about Ian Book is love the kid to death. Love that he has like the heart of a champion. Like we said, we know we're going to get with him. It's like almost how I feel about Mitch Trubisky. It's like I know that he can get it done under pressure and, you know, do his thing. We just need him to be the best version of Ian Book. We don't need him to be Trevor Lawrence. We don't need him to be Justin Fields or anybody else. We just need him to be the best possible version of Ian Book. And then this Notre Dame team will take care of itself. But one position group that we kind of touched over a little bit, but I'm going to bring it back. So kind of the same thing I did with the receivers for the corner position. What is your variation of the fr- you know the starting three? So you got your two boundary corners and then a slot?
1: I think you gotta go with the new two immediate guys, you gotta go with Nick McLeod and Tariq Gracie. That's pretty pretty obvious. then I mean, after that you got Sean Crawford. I know he's had a lot of injury issues. You got KJ Wallace, Cam Hart. I mean, you guys after that you pretty much have a lot of a lot of wild cards that you not really know that you don't really know what you're gonna get out of. And I completely agree with you what you said, um, Brandon, was getting McLeod was so big because I was worried about what they were going what the hell they were gonna do or this was dating back last year, but next season, this year, I was like, who the hell are they going to put at put at um, corner? So I think McLeod and Tariq Bracey, I do like what you said about Tariq Bracey. I do think he has kind of a, a high ceiling type of guy, yet to really tap into that. But I, I really want to see what he does being the field cornerback. And then Sean Crawford, hopefully we, sh- we can get some value out of him. I believe it is six years. So hopefully that works out for him.
2: Yeah, you talk about a guy, Tariq Bracey, we've had him on before. I like last year what Brian Kelly did with him. He threw him in that situational role when Navy came up on the schedule and they were you know, the triple option team. Tariq Bracey's that guy that can contain the, the quick offense, contain the quick running backs with that speed. So I really like him at the cornerback spot this year. I've been really focused on Houston Griffith coming out of high school. I really liked watching his take coming out of IMG. And the third guy, Nick McLeod, I think he's going to be a good guy to come off as well. And like I said, I think Tariq Bracey is really the guy that I want to watch and be uh, the standout cornerback for this team this year. Great guy, friend of the program. Like Brandon said, he's going to be a playmaker for this team.
0: Like Brian said, if you get into a little bit more of the depth corners, so we have guys by the name of KJ Wallace and Isaiah Rutherford. Those guys are both sophomores. And then we also have uh, Cameron Hart. So there's there's definitely depth on this, uh, on this roster, but a lot of the guys that are in those depth roles are underclassmen. So again, Everybody on this roster has got to be prepared for whatever goes down this season because we just absolutely don't know what tomorrow brings. But to move over to that safety position, it might be one of the most sure positions that we have on the entire team. Uh, With a guy like Kyle Hamilton there, sophomore probably only going to have him for another year and a half, two years. Like he's surefire NFL draft written all over him. And then you got a guy like Isaiah Pryor who, you know, he spent some time at Ohio state got significant playing time over there for whatever reason. It didn't work out. Now he's in South bend. Overall as the secondary, the leadership's going to come from the safety position, but I still think that if we have a good enough pass rush, that secondary can still eat just like they did last
1: year. Yeah, I agree. I would say, I mean, Notre Dame's consistently been able to reload at the D-line position. And it's probably been that, along with the O-line, their biggest strength on the defensive side. Defensive ends have been their biggest strength. But I think safety and linebackers, I'm really excited what they have bringing back. I think, obviously, you got Kyle Hamilton, like you said, surefire future draft pick. Houston Griffith Griffith, I think is kind of like your safe bet probably going to get what you know what you get I, I do think Isaiah Pryor is like a really really high ceiling guy he wasn't really he was considered to be like a big get as a graduate transfer but he kind of underwhelmed at Ohio State because he was a massive recruit out of high school so I'm wondering if Notre Dame can tap into that potential and we end up getting another Kyle Hamilton you have damn near the best safety duo in the country so I think their safety duo is pretty much set I mean they they lose two stud safeties in Alohi Gilman and I'm blanking on their other guy's name but he was also a beast as well so I mean you lose a really a really good safety tandem you just reload and I think it's something that this Notre Dame defense has consistently done in the past three or four years and it's really exciting I think the guy you're looking at was Jalen Elliott yes that would be correct Yep, that's the guy.
2: Um, No, I really like the safety position as well. Kyle Hamilton's just a guy that you hear his name, Notre Dame fans hear his name, and just get so excited to watch him play on Saturdays. Isaiah Pryor is obviously another guy to watch at that safety position, but the guy to watch for this year is going to be Kyle Hamilton. Big-time sophomore, Uh, like Brandon said, we're probably only going to get him for the next two seasons here. Let's all enjoy it while we can because, like he said, he's going to be a first-round draft pick no matter what. I think he's going to be – close to what Grant Delpit was at LSU if he's not already surpassed what Delpit was at LSU. And for us to have that kind of talent at Notre Dame roaming the secondary, I mean, it's just exciting every week.
0: Yeah. And one thing I want to say is we are actually firing on all cylinders as a team right now because the next two position groups that we're getting to is defensive line and linebackers. And Brian, you brought up a great point. We are bringing back so much at that linebacker position. And it's it all starts on the top, you know, with the leaders. Guys like Drew White and Jeremiah Wozu koromoa Two guys that are potential butt kiss. I, I know one of them was on the. I know Alouz who's on the butt kiss watch list already. Drew White is like a 15 tackle a game guy. Like straight, bring your lunch pail to work. It's got a little sandwich in there, maybe an apple pudding, whatever. He's getting the job done. Those two are the guys that I absolutely want leading my linebacking core. And then two, I think. He's been a majority like the director. He's like he's the director of morale or whatever they had Caleb Presley doing on the sideline for North Carolina back in the day. And he runs down on special teams. But Bo Bauer, do not forget the name. Do not forget him because when he hits you, he brings a hurricane with him. That man has serious force. And I absolutely love seeing like him just cutting up on the sidelines, just celebrating, dancing over dead bodies they're putting chalk over the people's bodies that after they, after uh, Mr. Bauer gets his hands on them.
2: Bo Bauer is going to be a guy that I'm really going to uh, key in on this year. He played really well last season. Uh, that linebacker spot was definitely a position that we kind of nailed at the first half of the season last year. I remember Brian and I really getting on that linebacking core early. They were struggling in the first three games of the season, but they were able to pick it up, and he was a guy that led that charge. Uh, as far as the D-line, I mean, those two guys up the middle – uh, Jeremiah Wosu, koromoa and Drew White. Yeah, Drew White's another guy too that will really be a force on this defense. And we held the run game a lot last year. Clemson gonna be tough. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but this defense has another year of experience under their belt. Clark Lee is putting something together on defense this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just preaching to the choir. I mean, Arusa koromoa is a beast. Could be a first rounder. Drew White's really good. Really good guys. Well, I'm interested to see who emerges as, like, the third linebacker. I like Jack Lamb. He's probably the emerging candidate right now. But you guys got you got guys like Paul Muala, Shane Simon, Jen Markeith. I mean, some guys that really haven't done much that are juniors and seniors that could potentially be thrown into the mix. But I do think linebacking core, led by Uso Karamara, is one of the strengths of this team. And, yes, he is in, like you said, we harped on them all the time last year in the first three weeks, and they ended up being good. But, I mean, preseason last year was their biggest weakness. Preseason this year, you could argue, it's their best positional group. I think the most interesting part about, you know, the latter half of the guys that you mentioned, with the
0: exception of Simon, is Genmar Keith and Muala are more of, like, that hybrid linebacker, similar to, like, what James Onowalu was at Notre Dame. So, like, a guy who can drop into pass coverage, he's not, like— 240 250 like a big bulky linebacker more of like that smaller like box safety size linebacker that can still come up and hit on run support so those guys have been a majority on special teams throughout their time here in Notre Dame so I think again everybody's getting their opportunity this year from you know what I can see with everything that's going on you guys got to make the best of it and and like you said Brian you know to, to tail the end of that that linebacking core went from the most questionable group that we had out there last year to now you can sit here and say, you know, with, with uh, Drew White and Owosu Koromoa leading the charge, that is the group that I trust the most out there on defense. Yeah, you know, one thing
2: I wanted to touch on, too, was Notre Dame last season really did not face a lot of teams that threw the ball a lot. They played a lot of run-heavy teams. You know, they did face guys like USC with Kedon Slovis, Jake Fromm, Bryce Perkins at Virginia as well. Um, however that defense still managed to finish third in the nation in pass defense and fifth in pass efficiency nine of the 13 touchdowns they are touchdown passes they allowed last season were allowed in four games so this defense has proven that it can be tough it's proven that they are good and very talented and if they can continue that uh, talent from
0: last season this is going to be one hell of a season for that defense yeah and my thing is too is like we lost a lot on that defensive line, but from what I've seen in camp and from what we've seen from guys like Dalen Hayes in the past, who is, you know, he's, he's expected to fill pretty big shoes this year. A guy that I've heard a lot of good things coming out of camp so far is going to be the guy who's going to be on the other side of the defensive line playing. You know, I don't know who's going to be on the left or who hasn't, no, who's going to be on the right side, but the two defensive ends that are the presumed starters right now are Dalen Hayes and Justin Adamalola. And, Justin also has a brother, Jason, who plays on the team. That's a defensive tackle. We got guys like Kurt Hinnish, Myron Tagovailoa, Almosa. Like we have a lot of talented players all across this defense. And I just think if the defensive line can create the pressure that they did last year and just get into a quarterback's head early, the turnovers are going to be at a premium, you know, the strips are going to be at a premium, everything. I think that I mean, we're going to sound like homers. Obviously, this is a Notre Dame podcast. Obviously, these are our guys. But realistically, this is one of the best Notre Dame teams that I've seen top to bottom, freshman to senior to graduate senior to we got Mick Asaph, who's going to be a billionaire, not even for football. So like the group of guys that have been brought in in the last five to six years here at Notre Dame are special. And you can see that with the class that we just sent to the NFL and how successful they were in their time. So I just think realistically this this is our year I, i'm not going to keep dancing in a circle where are you guys at with the d line and we'll wrap up the defense and then we'll get to the hog mollies up front and we'll call it a day
1: yeah i mean you you've you said this the notre dame's had a lot of talent in the last couple of years and it's been almost the most at at offensive line and defensive line i mean two years ago we lost jerry tillery to the draft and what do we do just next man in you got Khalid kareem and julian aquara stud defensive ends we had one of the best defensive end tandems in college football last year. And this year, yeah, we have a lot of, we lost those two guys. And you think there might be a hole, but I really like Dalen Hayes. I think Isaiah Foskey is also a guy that I think is going to be pretty good, although he hasn't really gotten much name recognition yet. And Agundaje, you got him as well. I mean, you just have a lot of depth and you just have to wait. Besides Dalen Hayes, I would say he's like a a surefire, going to be pretty good. You know, you're going to get out of him. But after that, it's kind of a question mark, but, By question mark, that's not necessarily a bad thing. you got a a lot of really, really capable guys, and I'm sure at least one of them will break through because that's exactly what's happened the past two or three years on the D-line.
2: Yeah, I love the point that we've just been able to build that position group for the last three, four years, and it really will play an impact this year. Like Brandon said, if you're able to get to the quarterback early, it shows this offense can score 14 points in a matter of three minutes when the defense can put a three and out on the field. You put up 14 points against any opponent early, it's going to be game over. This defensive line will come out every week like they did last year, coming out strong, coming out fierce, and getting after the quarterback. And with this group, they're going to do that. I think it's going to be the most important group, and I think it's going to be the most impactful group on this team this
0: year. Yeah. And and one thing, too, I want to make a special shout out to Dalen Hayes because he has been the voice of the Notre Dame football team during everything that has gone on in this crazy year. So definitely shout out to him for that. But to switch it over to the offensive line, I mean, Brian, you brought it up earlier. What was it? Three guys on the all ACC preseason when you got guys like Leah Meichenberg, Tommy Kramer, Aaron Banks, like there are so many names on that offensive line. All those guys are going to be playing on Sundays. All those guys are going to be cashing big checks like how Ronnie Stanley and and the Martin Brothers. And again, not to get too homer, but Notre Dame is a quality university at putting offensive linemen in the position to succeed while they're here and then turn that into money. I mean, look at Quentin Nelson. They're talking about him being a Hall of Famer already three years into his career so this is this is a school that that we really breed them it's that it's got to be that midwest bred that country fat i don't know what it is but we have the offensive linemen here and this year that unit to mirror what we just said about the defensive line scary unit to be going up against
1: yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head there brandon i mean I talk about how the defensive line has been able to reload the last three or four years, and the O-line has just done it, like, tenfold. I mean, the the entire left side of the line, center in Jarrett Patterson, left guard Aaron Banks, left tackle Lee and Eikenberg, they were all first-team all-ACC selections. And, like, it's probably a little bit of both in the fact that that just means Notre Dame's O-line is really good, coupled with the fact that the ACC sucks. But, I mean, that's just very impressive in and of, of itself, if you can make up— 60% of the entire offensive line preseason All-ACC. But getting into what we said earlier, they they have a lot of talent at the freshman skill positions, but that doesn't mean you can get away from your bread and butter, and that is should be pounding it in between the tackles with your really good old, lines, old line spent O-line you for the better part of this decade. So I couldn't agree more with what you said on they should run the ball more, and if they don't, I'm going to be, by the end of the season, very pissed off at Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese, to put it lightly. <laughs> I was just about to say, I
2: just pulled up a Sports Illustrated article that the headline is Notre Dame is offensive line U. We really say that Notre Dame is tight end U, but I think that the offensive line has surpassed tight end U in the last couple of years with guys like Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, the Martin brothers, Ronnie Stanley, like Brandon mentioned. And it's just going to continue. Like Brandon said, I mean, these guys just continue to go through this Notre Dame program. These offensive linemen will go out into the NFL and produce and make money. And those guys on the outside with Liam Eichenberg, Tommy Kramer as well, and Jared Patterson in the middle, those guys are going to be future studs in the NFL. But right now, they're going to make a big impact on the run game this year. we got to run the ball. We, we've all said it. We're going to say it on the next podcast in the season preview, in the Duke preview, we're going to need to run the ball. And I think that this is the year to do it with that offensive line being as good as they have been in years past, if not better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that brings us to the perfect stopping point for today's episode. So we'll fire off one last question real quick for you guys. Brian, offense and defense, who is your preseason breakout player of the year?
1: I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Tommy Tremble. I think it's easier to go with one of the freshmen, but I'm gonna go with Tommy Tremble. He's been behind a bunch of stud tight ends his entire career so far at Notre Dame. Cole Komet just got drafted. He's got a we don't really have a number one tight end, could be Tramble, Rock Wright. You got two stud freshmen, but I think Tommy Tremble is going to emerge as a stud tight end at the end of this season. And we'll look back and be wondering why we didn't pencil him in as one of the most prolific players on offense. And then who do you got on the defensive side of the ball? Oh, defense. Okay. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Isaiah Pryor. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. I think Notre Dame has a very good culture. I don't. I can't really speak to Ohio State's culture, but Notre Dame's got a great culture. I think they're going to tap into that talent, and I think he's gonna. I think he's going to be a stud immediately. As far as I go, I think the
2: running back game. Like I said, we're going to need to run the ball. I think uh, Chris Tyree will be a guy that will be fun to watch. His explosiveness will be fun to watch, and. I'm just breaking free on a Saturday at Notre Dame stadium with however many fans are in the stadium. It just gets me so hyped already. Uh, Defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with our guy Tariq Gracie. I think this is going to be his year to really stand out and make a name for himself. Uh, Like I said, he was very situational last season with Brian Kelly, but this is going to be his year to jump in the rotation and, and really just be able to, like I said, make a name for himself and, and go out there and make plays every week.
0: Yeah. And for, for my breakout players of, of the year, you know, offense and defense, Two guys that we've talked about a little bit here already on the podcast. On the offensive side, I'm going with Bennett Skronik. Okay. So we really dove into, you know, the type of guy that he is. He's that possession receiver, someone that you can stick on the outside, someone who's tall enough, strong enough, possesses the hands to go up and make that 50 50 catch, someone that we're going to need on third and fourth down and in the red zone this year. I think that's a guy that. You know, I've seen a lot of his games at Northwestern because my brother is a huge Northwestern fan. We saw him live when they played up against Notre Dame uh, over there in Evanston. He actually had a touchdown on us. But this kid can ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going Justin Adamalola. And I I do believe that we all got his name right. But if we find out at a later date that it's wrong, we'll get back and correct that. But to fill the shoes of guys like Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara and Just the stuff that I've heard in in the videos I've seen, you know, him training everything out of camp, I think that kid is going to be a stud on the defensive line. Um, But, you know, with that being said, do you guys have any wrap-up thoughts here for today's episode?
1: The only wrap-up thought I have is I really want – we touched on this earlier, but I really want Notre Dame and Brian Kelly to play those high-ceiling freshmen early – to see if they can, like you said, be ready when they play Clemson, be ready if we get to the college football playoff. What I really, really, really don't want to do, and it's going to piss me off if this happens, if they, if Notre Dame plays it safe all year, doesn't give those freshmen too much of a shot, and then by the time we get to Clemson, we get ran off the field because we don't have enough speed on the outside again. I really want Chris Tyree, Jordan Johnson, Michael Mayer, Kevin Bauman to be on the field early and often, and I'm going to be... I'm going to be aggressive about it, and I'm going to get really mad if they don't. That's my final thought.
2: <laughs> no one wants to see an angry Michelin,
1: that's for damn sure. No, I agree with
2: that. I think that those first games against uh, Duke, and, and you throw in team like South Florida as well, those are teams that we know we should beat. The ACC isn't that good of a conference. We see the tougher teams later on in the year. We need to win those games, and we need to be able to, to uh, develop those guys and, and get them those touches early. We've all talked about it. Brian, I agree with you 100%. I will be very upset if those guys don't get action early, if we're not up 41 to 7, and those guys should be getting in. And I presume that the early games, we should be up 41 to 7. We have the team to be up that big in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left and get those guys in. Um, and it'll be important at the quarterback position, too, after Ian Book throws five touchdowns. As I say, I want us to run the ball more. I'm still hoping Ian Book throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns a game. Anyway, I, I do think that this is going to be a huge year for that offense and be able to get those guys in. And uh, those
0: garbage time possessions for Notre Dame's offense will be used wisely. Yeah, and I think the most important thing, too, is is like. We want to get them meaningful reps. We don't want them to only get the 41 to 7 reps. You know, if you got like a situational thing where you want to kind of test them out and you got a game situation that you can run it in, go ahead and do it. But you guys bring up great points. Don't just recruit these guys to have them sit on the bench for two or three years. If you have a use for them, get them out there on the field. And I think we can trust Brian Kelly to do that this year. But we've been proven wrong before, and like you guys both said, I'm I'm hopping in that boat. I will be extremely frustrated if if that is the case. But I think this was a quality episode, guys. We'll be back next week with the Duke preview and a full season preview with records, predictions, and all of that. We are Irish on tap. You can find us on Twitter at the On Tap Irish. Brian, where can we find you at on Twitter?
1: At Brian Michler.
0: Ethan, Ethan underscore, underscore wild, wild 10 wild. is my Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at beaton300. Our main page is at ontapirish, and all of our articles and podcasts can be found at ontap sportsnet. But again, this was Irish on tap presented to you by the ontap sportsnet. Stay tuned for future episodes like this and go Irish.